Hi everyone, welcome to the Peak in the Pit podcast, an episodic podcast to share the peaks and the pits in the day-to-day lives of teachers, students, and staff as a tool for reflection, growth, and improvement. It's been almost two years since I've been part of the D100 Blogger PD group, and I'm thrilled to be back. If you have not had the chance to catch up with us this round, we've jumped into reading Ditch That Textbook by Matt Miller, which helps teachers to free their teaching and revolutionize their classroom. I'm fortunate enough to work in a district that truly promotes and embodies this practice throughout all eight of our schools in the district. What do you do when your work life is so full you don't have time for the people who matter most? This is the primary focus as Miller opens up chapter 15, Choose to Cheat. At the time when I first read this book, I was a first-year teacher who wholeheartedly gave everything she had to her career and wholeheartedly gave nothing to everyone and everything else. I did not prioritize any of my friendships, my relationship, or my family. But reflectively, and I think most importantly, I didn't prioritize myself, my mental, emotional, or physical well-being. The idea of, quote, work-life balance made me audibly laugh. At the time, I didn't know what boundaries were, let alone how to set them. And I truthfully didn't even know the word in the context of my personal and professional life until last year when someone asked me the question, well, did you set any boundaries? To which I responded, what's a boundary? Looking back, reading this chapter as a first-year teacher, I obviously read Miller's words and highlighted and circled things and annotated, but I certainly didn't know how to put them into practice. In his writing, Miller states that as teachers, we often cheat, but with the wrong people or in the wrong circumstance. I was cheating all along my first year teaching. I cheated on my family, my friends, my relationship, all for my career, both in the classroom and out. I thrived in the classroom and pushed myself to my limits, and I prided myself on the classroom I built and matched my worth as a professional on the quality of that classroom. I hope, when I say this, I'm speaking for a lot of people, that this is common of so many teachers because the stakes are so high and our hearts are so easily overtaken by the 28 faces that look back at us every day. What every teacher eventually needs and make a priority. Sometimes, as Miller says, we have to set aside really good, really exciting ideas, and that's okay because it will make us more balanced and also takes away from us doing, quote, too much. In his next chapter, Miller talks about the MED, or the minimum effective dose, defined as the smallest dose that will produce the desired outcome. What Miller suggests is that teachers work too much and do too much in their day-to-day. Cutting back their work to the MED, or minimum effective dose, could optimize their time and resources as educators. Okay, great. So how do we do this while still making sure we're effective teachers? I think that answer goes back to setting boundaries, or as Miller would say, knowing when to stop, and also keeping it simple. Remembering that students or your, quote, audience will only take in what they deem to be interesting or necessary for a test or for life. All of the extra efforts can be futile if no additional results are being produced. 
of course, if additional results are being produced that otherwise would not have been, then certainly maintain the work that you're doing, but consider how you could optimize your efficiency or time when doing so. Miller alludes to, quote, marking or grading papers and how it consumed hours of his time. And for what? His students looked at the grade and tossed it into the nearest garbage can. So he opted to make a change. Instead, now his kiddos blog and he is able to help them on the writing process as they're writing and editing. He creates buy-in with an authentic audience and gives the students something strategic and specific to work toward. They are able to work side-by-side with one another, and the product and outcome are substantially more meaningful, powerful, and, in my opinion, worth it in the long run instead of wasting countless hours grading worksheets and papers. Thinking about ways to amp up your lessons while also saying no to monotonous activities and plans that don't take your teaching and your students' learning to a higher level is a perfect way to start boundary setting in your professional life. When looking to amp up the teaching and learning happening in your classroom, many teachers choose to be a, quote, connected educator, as Miller would say in his next chapter, through building their PLN online or professional learning network. Most social media hubs are bubbling over with incredible opportunities for professional development in your pajamas that allow for inspiration, motivation, challenge, camaraderie, apps, and often, most importantly, humor. This blogger PD, for example, though tardy because I don't know how to set boundaries with others to prioritize previous commitments, see the importance of that above, is a great way for me to continue my professional learning, gather ideas to amp up the teaching and learning in the classrooms that I enter, and also keep me connected to educators both in my district and across the nation. I also am an oversharer by nature, and I like to pride myself on being an open book, maybe oftentimes to a fault. However, Miller validates the characteristics of this characteristic of mine by suggesting that as an educator, we share everything. In his next chapter, he talks about uh, sharing and how by sharing everything or by sharing what we do in our classrooms and districts, we're able to gain ideas, philosophies, practices, tips, tricks, tools, and most importantly, in my opinion, heroes and friends. It's great to be able to communicate with others and collaborate virtually just through sharing. But there's more to be said than just sharing ideas, in my opinion. It's easy to get swept up in the dark hole of social media, and I've talked a lot about that, how we can fall into the comparison trap when we start sharing. You start to judge yourself based on what others are doing in their classrooms, and it becomes a negative instead of a positive. So as a way of combating this, I like to share my vulnerabilities with the education world in hopes of creating space for individuals to share things that they're failing at as well, or things that they're struggling with in their classrooms or their day-to-day teaching life. In doing this, it's my hope that we can hold space for one another to feel okay to try and fail, but also learn from ourselves and one another in doing so. After all, it'd be selfish to only share your great things because I think we learn more from the pits than the peaks. The beauty of being able to share for me happens through lots of different venues, social media, my blog, and now my podcast. Since I work in a district that has always created space for me to be autonomous, I feel that I have had far more success and passion than if I were to work in a place that did not allow for that. Miller suggests in his final chapter that I'm reflecting on that we find what makes them tick. That's important or that it's important to determine what works when it comes to motivating students. 
Since I no longer have a classroom of my own, I'd love to take a look at what this could look like for myself. Or how it could look with the teachers I work with. As I said, my ability to choose and allowing choice both in the classroom and amongst the teachers that I work with creates freedom in the work environment. Digital tools allow us to choose how to create and what product we'll end up with, just as I have done with my blog or my podcast. However, I'm not even close to being the master of any of these digital tools. I love taking... (coughs) (laughs) I love taking what I know about something and diving in with another teacher to move toward mastery on a subject. Acknowledging that someone else on my team or another teacher that I work with knows more than I do about something disrupts the comfortable balance that we get from being in the all-knowing zone. But truly, anyone can be an expert about anything, especially in this day and age. So why not use our best resources, each other and our kiddos, as a way to move toward mastery, another way of motivating each other. Finally, talking about your students or your purpose, your student's purpose or your purpose when trying to motivate is extremely important. On our team, we like to call this our, quote, why. Why we do what we do every day. In my podcast, I talk a lot about analyzing our actions and how they move us toward or away from our why. Keeping our why in mind, both when we're working with teachers and with students and keeping that as our main focus when planning, keeps us aligned with the work that we choose to do. Additionally, Miller talks about choices, challenges, curiosity, cooperation, and friendly competition being important qualities of motivating students and teachers that you work with as well. If you'd like to continue to support the D100 Blogger PD Book Study, you can follow along using the hashtag D100BloggerPD on Twitter and check out all of the hyperlink blog posts there. Up next, we have Justin Gonzalez from It Worked, um, reflecting on chapters 20 through 24 in Ditch That Textbook.